Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss. Right three is over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's Obie's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. And welcome to All Four Downs. I'm your host, Ovi Muniz, along with Big Jace and Sean Scanlon. Big Joe is not with us today since he had another assignment he had to do. But we are still moving on with our show, All Four Downs, covering nothing but the best of the offseason of college football. What we're talking about today is a new head coach that's taken over in the AAC. And looking out for the Big 12 and see how they're looking at as far as how things will roll up at the start of the season. But first, here we go with the new head coach of UCF and no other than Gus Malzahn. Is my saying that right? Yep. Absolutely. Thank you very much. (laughs) I thought I was going to kill it there. But, uh, hey, he was fired from Auburn. Uh, He spent eight seasons with Auburn. And to be honest with you, all, all of the seasons he's been with were all winning seasons. Uh, as you look at the, as you look at how he started in 2013, went 12 and two. Two of those losses came one in the conference game, and then he lost the uh, FCS, which was the national championship, to Florida State. But since 2003, uh, 2013, he hasn't really done much all the way till last year, where. He finished with a six and four record in SEC, which, according to the athletic director, that was probably a big problem, and it was time for a change. But hey, it's all good and dandy because now he got the job at UCF, in which they're a talented team. Jace, yes, they are. Last year they had a very explosive uh, offense. They are losing a. Uh, two of their top runners and uh, two of their top leading rushers and uh, three of their top five uh, leading wide receivers. They do have their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, coming back. Uh, I do think Gus Melzahn, he's a great offensive mind, and I think he will lead UCF to success in the AAC, and they will be that uh, one big competitor for Cincinnati. We already saw 
this last season, uh, uh, UCF gave Cincinnati their toughest game in the regular season. I'm glad you brought up about Cincinnati. You know, they, they had a great game. Uh, but just look at the the head coach of Josh Hopel. He had left the organization to be the new head coach of Tennessee. Yep. And so bringing in Gus, Sean, does Cincinnati have to worry about UCF now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they do. I don't know if it will be right away this year, but I, I do think it was a great hire for UCF. Um, obviously, Cincinnati's still super dynamic, bringing uh, Desmond Ritter back. So I, I think that, you know, I don't know if it will be this year, but um, uh, like Jay said, you know, uh, Gus Malzahn is a great offensive mind. We, we saw what he did at Auburn. Um, they Their offense was always great. So uh, I feel like, you know, with Dylan Gabriel back, I think that UCF will definitely be at the top of the American with teams uh, like Tulsa, I think, will be good again with a good defense. And uh, Memphis will be up there, too. But I think UCF will be right around with those teams. So I think uh, I'm not sure that it's going to happen this year. I don't know if they'll uh, be able to knock off Cincinnati. But I do think in the in the coming future, I think they're definitely going to be at the top of the American. And I think that, you know, they might even contend for a national championship. I think that it's a good recruiting spot down in Florida. Um, I think that Gus Malzahn is obviously a great recruiter. So I think uh, within a couple of years, UCF will definitely be at the top um, of the college football ranks. Well, we'll see if they get that much respect because as we've seen the last couple of years, it's always been the par five that's always in the national championship picture. But uh, yeah, but I think they're in, they're, they're in great shape. And I think they're even in a better shape right now with him as a head coach. Uh, and I And I expect them to be even more competitive than what they did last year. But speaking about uh, competitiveness, we have some wide receivers that are returning back into uh, to their school, uh, respective schools. And what's notable is Ohio State have two wide receivers uh, that have that have potential to be in the NFL. We got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Uh, that right there means to tell me that whoever is the quarterback, the starting quarterback for Ohio State, they're going to be in in a better shape than what it was last year. And I think Ohio State can make a run in their conference in the Big Ten. Do you agree, Jace? Yeah, uh, it's still up in the air who exactly Ohio State's quarterback is going to be. But Chris Olave is a solid wide receiver to bring back. He's been the basically the number one wide receiver the past two years with uh, Justin Fields. So whoever that quarterback is, uh, I'm sure Chris Olave will, will lead them in the right direction and lead this receiving core. And uh, I, but two guys on this list that I'm interested to see is uh David Bell and Ty Freifogel. There, uh, David Bell was a very very good underrated wide receiver this past year for Purdue. He put up some great numbers. And Ty Freifogel, Michael Penix Jr. That was a deadly combo when uh Michael Penix Jr. was healthy for Indiana. So uh, I, I'm interested to see how that plays out in this next season. Absolutely. I think uh, I think I had Purdue and Ohio State maybe potentially be in the in the finals for the Big Ten championship. Uh, that's one of the scenarios that I had come up with. So to see David Bell there, uh, that's that's pretty unique there. I like Marvin Mims uh, from Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, we're going to be talking more about Oklahoma later on. And of course, my Georgia Bulldogs, George Pickens. Uh, I know he, he has that fast, outright speed that uh, he could catch the ball in the air no matter where the quarterback puts it. So I'm interested to see how well he will do this year if he could replicate what uh, 
our past Heisman winner has done. Uh, so we'll see on that. And also Burton coming back for the for Georgia, the now a sophomore. He should be a solid wide receiver as well. Uh, anything else, uh, Sean, that you have seen that we did not cover with these wide receivers? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you brought up George Pickens, but I think having JT Daniels for the whole season, obviously at the start of the season last year for Georgia, they were cycling through QBs. They they couldn't find one, and obviously their offense uh, suffered from it. Obviously they weren't that explosive, but I think – JT Daniels is a starter, uh, you know, for the whole year. I think George Pickens is just going to, you know, be even better. Uh, I think he kind of regressed in his sophomore year last year. I, I think he showed a lot of flashes his freshman year, but I think he's going to get back to that way, uh, you know, the way he was balling in his freshman year this year. And uh, just one name that you guys didn't mention yet is uh, Justin Ross. I know that he had that scary neck injury last year, so um, and, and he missed the whole year. But if he is able to come back, uh, you know, he's super explosive. Obviously, uh, as a freshman, he helped Clemson, you know, win that national championship. He was a monster in those playoffs. And I think, you know, with uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence is leaving, but we saw what De- or DJ is uh, possible or excuse me, DJ is capable of. Um, obviously, I, th- I think he's going to be a great quarterback, too. So I think if Justin Ross can get back healthy from that neck injury, I, I think he's going to have a really good year. Well, you're speaking about Clemson there. They also been drafting a lot of high caliber wide receivers and being that Clemson's getting back into the groove of things with DJ Tagalele. Am I we saying that right? I got to practice that name, man. But uh, DJ, he, he is there. He's going to enter his sophomore year with a heavy well, wide receiver core. So Clemson could be more explosive in the air uh, for, for next season. But speaking about explosive and everything else, we noticed that Oklahoma when I, uh, defeated uh, Florida – and in, in the bowl game, and they they came back, you know, midseason, turned their season around, ended up being the Big 12 champions for four straight years. Now here's a new outlook of the Big 12. And real quick, based on the strength of schedule and everything else that I look forward to, I like to compare to see if the non-conference schedule is competitive. And Iowa State, Texas, TCU, Kansas State, Baylor, and Kansas – they have, you know, mediocre-type schedule. Uh, but I know within the conference, it's always going to be a, a battle. But compared to these teams now, Oklahoma, the defending champs, you know, Coach Lincoln, he's been there from the beginning since since day one. And you can see his record, 12-2, and two, three straight years. Of course, the pandemic hit. They play one one shorter game less. But uh, he, he's been top-notch as Oklahoma. You know, and many are praying that maybe Texas with their new head coach uh, could uh, be a, a, a difference maker there. But he has all that talent in Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler as the quarterback. It's going to be pretty hard for, for anyone to knock Oklahoma off in the, in the, in the top. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, it, it is going to be hard. I do think Oklahoma is the favorite to come out of the Big 12. Uh, I think they are the best equipped to uh, – represent the Big 12 in the college football playoff. But the thing is, is Oklahoma always has these uh, little stumbles of early to mid in the season. I mean, the past two years, it's been Kansas State who's given them trouble. But, uh, I mean, and we saw last year that, for that, that first meeting against Iowa State, they lost. Iowa State is coming back with uh, two big pieces uh, returning in Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. So they should still give them competition. But Oklahoma has to be 
able to play the whole season. They cannot take weeks off if they want to compete for a college football playoff spot. Absolutely correct. And if you look at the last two weeks, uh, they play Iowa State and Oklahoma State, which they're always in contention to be on the top spot. Sean, you think Oklahoma could still drive on? Yeah, I, I think they can, but I, I think there's going to be a lot more competition this year. Um, you know, Jace Menson, Iowa State, who I think is going to be really good. And then also, you know, uh, Steve Sarkeesian coming in for Texas. Uh, I think he's a great offensive mind. And obviously, Texas, uh, you know, they, they're a historical program, so he should be able to recruit really well down there. And usually Texas is at the top of the recruiting ranks. So I think that, you know, with the talent that he has, I think that he's a really good offensive coordinator, uh, and, and he's going to step into that head coaching role now. But I think that their offense will be really explosive. Obviously, they're going to have to replace Sam Ellinger. But uh, I, I think that, you know, if not this year, I think similar to UCF, I think that, you know, he's really going to change that program around and get Texas back to, you know, the ways – that they should be. And then um, on top of that, I think Oklahoma State will still be good. Um, obviously, they lose some talent with, you know, Tylen Wallace and uh, Chubba Hubbard. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, they're, they'll still be at the top of the ranks. So I, I think that they'll have some competition. But I, I do think that Oklahoma will still be the Big 12 favorite. Yeah, you talk about Texas with their new coaching staff. Uh, they could make some noise this year. I don't expect them to, you know, I, I know they'll have a winning season. But I give them to the following season because their recruiting is off the wall. They're, they're already skyrocketing for the class of 2022. Uh, Oklahoma State, we talked about them already, but they have the hardest schedule and conference. They ain't playing back-to-back -back weeks. They play Tulsa first and then Boise State. Both of these uh, colleges rank teams. That's a big boost. If they're able to defeat these two teams, they should automatically be in the top 10, maybe considering maybe top six. What do you think? Uh, Tulsa, uh, they're losing some key pieces, so I'm not too, too worried about that. But Boise State, I mean, we saw his name earlier when you showed the wide receivers. Uh, Khalil Shakur coming back. And they also have Hank Bachemeyer, who uh, struggled last season with injuries and COVID. Uh, when he is healthy, he is, a, he is the best quarterback in the Mountain West. So uh, I, if he can get healthy and lead these Broncos, I think this will be a very, very interesting, interesting game on September 18th. Right. Brian Harson left Boise State to take over the job at Auburn. So yep. Boise State has a new head coach. Let's see if he's able to continue their tradition to be competitive. Uh, West Virginia versus Maryland, Sean. Uh, I purposely put that there because I have a good feeling that Maryland is going to turn out. They're going to be competitive this upcoming season. Yeah, I think they will too. Um, obviously, I think they had a rough, a really rough start uh, to the start of last year. Uh, they weren't putting any points on the board. But, you know, towards the middle and the end of the season, the offense really started to get it going. Um, obviously, they, they have uh, Taulia Tagovailoa so, as, as their starting quarterback. So I, I think their uh, offense will be a little bit more explosive this year. Um, and I think that, you know, they'll be able to contend near the top of the Big Ten. I don't think there'll be any real threat, but I think there's a chance they could be, you know, some of the, the bigger teams in the Big Ten. And then obviously uh, this is a big non-conference matchup for both teams. I, I think, you know, West Virginia and Maryland, you know, obviously very close regional-wise, so I'm sure these teams uh, don't like each other. But uh, I think it will be a good game, and I think that Maryland will uh, be a lot better this year. And it's, it's early in the season, September 4th, so it'll be one of the first games. So I'm definitely looking forward to – having this game, uh, you know, and uh, early on in the college football season next year. Right. And another game, the battle of the Texans is Houston and Texas Tech. 
Texas Tech well known as their explosive offense with lack of defense. Houston, eh, you know, they've been shuffling around. They 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 throw curveballs at them uh, this past season because of the pandemic, a lot of cancellations. Now that things are going back to normal, as we say, uh, they'll be able to start with the practices and everything else leading up to September 4th, their very first game. I'm excited to see this game. I think that this is going to be the first game that we're going to see, probably a score of 50 to 40 or something like that. Uh, I can see this happening. But uh, I love this game. I really do. Uh, but the other game I, I, I'm fascinated about, and Jace, you brought my attention uh, this is their third match. This is a rematch with Kansas and Coastal Carolina. Uh, it was a big deal last year because of the fact that Coastal Carolina finished undefeated uh, throughout until until the end of the season. But uh, this has a lot to do with Les Miles as a head coach going in for his third season. I think it's a lot of pressure for Kansas this time around, you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, three losses in a row to a non-Power 5 team. That's rough. But also, I mean, we give Coastal Carolina a lot of respect for this win against a Power 5 team. But after three years in a row beating them, when do you start to – it makes sense. Like uh, it it shouldn't be held in that high regard anymore if you're just showing up and continuously uh, doing doing your work and handling your business. So uh, I I think Coastal Carolina is obviously – Showing that they're good enough to hang with this lower end of a Power 5 team. Now let's work and try and get them some actual decent Power 5 matchups and see how good these Chanticleers really are. And you know what? Joe would definitely will argue with you right there because it is a big deal when you have a non-Power Conference team defeating a Power 5 team. You know, And yeah, we understand Kansas is not, is not a good football team. They're not that that they don't have that much talent. But when you go ahead and defeat that those teams, and you're talking about this is being scheduled four or five years out. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? So for them to do that, you gotta give that Sun Belt Conference a chance. And then even that, because uh Louisiana defeated Iowa State last year, yeah, while Coastal Carolina defeated Louisiana, you know. So where do we set the bar between conferences? Should Sun Belt move on top of the Big 12? You know, can we name Sun Belt as one of the power of uh, power conferences? You know what I mean? I mean, cause that's, a, that's a, a great debate to have. You know, I know a lot of people are going to say, ah, whatever, you know, that's one year. But you're looking at that quarterback right there, McCall, who's entering his sophomore year, been playing like he was a senior. So, I mean, th- these, these this school has so much talent in them. I think they can handle a power five, but not, not a lot of people are giving them that much respect, Sean. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's deserved. Obviously we saw coastal Carolina last year. Uh, they had a great season. And I think, you know, even uh, the game against BYU, a lot of people, I think didn't think that they'd be able to win that. Obviously, you know, they said that they were very small up front, but uh, you know, they, they dominated the game. Uh, obviously they, they ended up getting that big win. Um, and I, you know, I think, it's important to play these teams uh, in Power Five conferences in the Big Twelve, but uh, like you were saying, Obi, I, I think it's um, I think that they should go on to you know schedule against other teams like Iowa State or even like a Texas or other teams at the top of the Big Twelve because I think Coastal Carolina could contend. Uh, obviously, the last couple of years they've they put their name on the map, especially last year. But 
Um, you know, they, I think that it's a program that's really on the rise right now. Uh, you mentioned Grayson McCall. He, he's a great quarterback. He'll have that team ready to go. So I think that Coastal Carolina definitely deserves the respect. And I, I definitely like to see them play some other Power 5 uh, conference teams in the future. And like you were saying for Kansas, uh, I think the pressure is on for Les Miles in his third year. Um, obviously, you know, he, he's, he's had the storied history at LSU before that. And uh, a lot of people expected him to turn around a, a really bad program in Kansas, but we haven't seen it yet. So I think this is definitely a big year for coming up for the Jayhawks, and we'll see if they can contend uh, with a team like Coastal Carolina. Yeah, if Kansas don't win, Les Miles is going to be on his way out, guarantee. Yep. So I have Oklahoma once again being five years straight as the uh, Big 12 Conference champion. I believe that this time around they'll play Iowa State, a rematch. Uh, Jace, who do you have? Uh, I have a rematch as well, but uh, I'm going to take the Cyclones to get it done. Um, just the experience with Purdy and uh, Hall. And uh, I, I don't expect the defense. I, I think the defense, Oklahoma's defense, won't be as strong this year as it was last year. Yeah. I beg to differ on that one, but all right. Yeah. What you got, Sean? Yeah, uh, for the sake of argument, I wish I, w- I could say someone else, but uh, I-, I would have those two. Th- I just think those are the two best teams in the conference right now. I-, I think that they're bringing a lot of talent back, so I think it's hard to say that uh, they wouldn't be. But if there is a sleeper out there, I do think that Texas you know, could turn around just because I-, I do think highly of Steve Sarkeesian. So I think that if there is a sleeper out there, I, I think that Texas you know, could be able to make it to the conference championship. I would love to put Texas in. The only problem I have is I don't know their coach. I mean, the, I mean their uh, quarterback going into the season. That, that's the only problem I got. And, and yeah. you know what? And, and it's it's, it's dawned on me that there's so many transfers. The, yeah. the list goes on and on and on. So you may think that this particular person is going to be the starter, but look what happened in Alabama with Mac Jones and Bryce Young when people thought Young was going to be the starter, and then Jones all of a sudden got picked. So Look at how the, long it took JT Daniels to get the starting job in Georgia when everyone thought he was going to come in and get that's it. That's a different story. We're going to really go back there again. <laughs> I, like, I, I'm dude trying, had to get it's cleared. the same point. It's the same point, though. Oh, it's not the same point because he was coming from an injury. That's different. He wasn't there to, to, to fight for a starting job. He wasn't there. And we had Newsom was supposed to be the starting quarterback until he opted out. So, like I said, there was a lot of drama in the quarterback side for Georgia. So, I, you bring that up every time, and I'm gonna every time I tell you, <laughs> no, that's not. It's deal. not even close. Not even close. Going into the season, we thought one thing. During the season, it was a different. It's just like your Pac-12, which we're going to be talking about next week, how they were supposed to be all that, but then they no-showed at the bowl games. Okay? They're, yeah, Ooh, yeah. I love that. Uh-huh. I love that. I don't. But Cal right. Berkeley, go Bears. <laughs> Anyways, so next week we're going to, uh, again, talk about the Pac-12 conference, the outlook, and see what's going on there, which two teams will be in the Pac-12 championship, as well as any uh, other up-to-date news on uh, what's going on around the college football. But before we leave, uh, again, one one more commercial about a new podcast coming out for Clovercrest Media and that's my show, my new show called Ovi's Backstop Podcast, which starts February 28th. Check out the promo. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. 
swing and a miss, strike three, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's Ovi's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. And on behalf of Sean and Big J's, I'm Ovi Manis. Thank you for watching All Four Downs. See you next week.